The sweet sound of sports you love from Sling. The collide of football pads. The squeak of shoes on a basketball court. The crack of the bat on a home run. The slice of skates cutting across the ice. But what about this one? That's the sound of all the sports you love. All at once. Starting at $40 a month. Experience it all live with Sling. Sling. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every basket, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a three-pointer at the buzzer to tie the game or a player that goes two for two at the foul line. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. It's the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Before we get started, I want to remind you that today's episode is brought to you by rockauto.com. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. Hello, everyone, and so, welcome so to the show. Today? We... I'm really excited to talk basketball with Nate today. And uh, so Nuggets Clippers. What we're going to talk about the playoff series. Wait, between... right, hold on, hold on. You, well, the... let, let's just stop. You start. You start. Wait, I thought you were okay then. About, well, then uh, the uh, Denver Nuggets and the, the Clippers. Wait, what? Wait, well, why don't we start by introducing our new new sponsor, uh, the Denver Nuggets uh, and Mason and Plumlee. Mason Plumley. This up, uh, <laughs> our uh, amount of pre-show communication is brought to you by Mason Plumley and uh, the Denver Nuggets here. <laughs> it's, it's really rare for us to get a sponsor that doesn't know they're a sponsor. <laughs> well. The crazy thing about last night, if you if you missed it, obviously, I'm sure sure you've seen it that there. Nikola Jokic said there was a uh, miscommunication on the play. I never saw Mike Malone actually get asked about why he put Mason Plumley in there or Plumley about what he was thinking. I, I looked for it last night, I didn't see it, so sorry if that's out there now. But really, a my cat my cat is even distressed meowing at how bad the Denver Nuggets communication was last night but you pointed this out he did the exact same thing in a previous game against the lakers in the bubble yes exactly uh that time it was kyle kuzma getting loose on the other side of the floor for a three-pointer but again he seemed absolutely determined to stop a lob play for lebron regardless of whether that was the lakers play or not and i don't know if there was uh that was something they told him beforehand or I mean, I mean they say a miscommunication on the final play i actually think there was no communication and that was the that was the real issue that there wasn't a timeout it was just out of bounds laker ball and they just sub plumly in it was just like let's go yeah and i didn't understand that because malone on the previous timeout actually resisted putting in plumly for whatever reason perhaps out of a misguided feeling that he was going to just stick with the exact unit that resulted in in the comeback but then with 2.1 seconds left he decided to, that he had to put Plumley in and i mean i really to take out paul Millsap too paul Millsap actually i mean i realize he slowed down a little bit but i thought he was their best guy on ad and he's a smart player who's been an all defense level of player for years and years and mason Plumley has the advantage of being faster but not actually better than nikola Jokic. and 
Yeah. Bowen has relied on him for years. Every time he puts him in as a defensive sub, he gets torched. Yeah, exactly. I mean, that's the, that's the thing. I mean, theoretically, you can understand in a low clock situation that you put in Plumley to defend the lob. But if you're going to do that, play zone and just stick Plumley under the basket. Don't force him to like make decisions on the perimeter. Yeah. I, I really didn't understand it. So it's been a while since we talked. I mean, I know it's been almost six days now since the shocking elimination of the LA Clippers, but we really need to talk about them because we try to take a longer term view sometimes on this show. And I wanted to ask you first, what did you think of the whole thing of all this reporting coming out? Doc Rivers even saying that guys weren't in shape. Like when you put your front office hat on, like what did, what did you think of that whole storyline? It actually resonated with me because I thought there was a physical element to what happened. And I think more generally, there has been a physical element to some of the things that have happened in these playoffs uh, on Miami's side of the bracket as well, where they have been so dominant in the second half, where the Clippers were so weak in the second half in this series. And it, even when they were up 3-1, they were. Uh, they were just winning first halves by so much that it didn't matter. And I, I just wonder, I mean, they, they had played a lot of games in a fairly short amount of time, much like, I mean, much like everyone else had too. But I think some teams were able to manage this better than others. And the Clippers, for whatever reason, couldn't. I mean, obviously they had guys going in and out of the bubble. They had COVID cases and whatnot. Denver had the same thing. But for some reason, they were, they, in their favor, they only had two high minutes players, Jokic and Murray, really the whole time. And everyone else was kind of like they were playing seven different guys, 25 minutes, basically. Right. Yeah. Uh, and Jokic and Murray were pretty awesome, even though Jokic had got COVID in Ser- Serbia before all this happened. It didn't seem to affect his wind at all. In fact, you watch him even in this Laker series like he's running around a lot, actually. Like you see him off the ball and stuff. Yeah. He's, like he's booking. <laughs> like what, what got into him? Uh, but the conditioning has seemed to affect some of these teams differently. And I thought it affected the Clippers badly. I thought Kawhi physically looked like a shell of the guy he was in Toronto a year ago in the conference finals. I don't know what you thought, Nate. Well, I mean, I think from a fatigue standpoint at the end, yes, I think his, you know, things like just his first step and his elevation, I thought actually looked better at the start of games at the start of the playoffs you know at the beginning of the bubble he was blowing by guys i was like yeah this is the guy this is yeah. the one who's gonna lead he him. was so good in the game. dallas series right yeah and he just didn't have and i'll credit jeremy grant for for this a lot but he didn't have the ability by the end of the series to just work his way into the mid-range and get that separation and get his shot off and it was uh so I definitely credit the Nuggets uh, for wearing him down. But yeah, no, by the end, I mean, I think you posted this in your piece, like the when he tried to do the Euro step in transition on like Monte Morris or something and just like went absolutely nowhere and had to throw up some crap. Like it was. Yeah. Yeah. That was a shocking play for me because uh, that, I mean, you see that happening. You're like, okay, here's the bucket. And then like, you know, Clippers are going to go on a run here. And then he just like throws up some weird, goofy floater and and turns to the ref begging for a call it's like what what happened here i'm i think that fatigue within games within series is and within seasons is still something that is very nebulous and probably just something that it's hard to see as a fan unless you're really really looking for it closely i mean and there's a lot of different kinds of fatigue right like you could be 
okay, we just had a stretch where there were no stoppages and we had to play for two and a half minutes and it went up and down a lot. And now like, I'm just tired, like as of right now, but I'm going to recover. Right. Or there's, or there's, all right, now you're just totally out of gas at the end of a game and there is no recovering. You just don't have the same level of explosion, even coming out of a timeout or something like that. So I'm, uh, and it's really just hard to know, particularly when you're seeing players at the start of games or, or whatever, uh, and comparing it to the end, what, why it is that maybe they're not playing as well, but it probably is something that isn't discussed enough. And we have seen it really more than ever, these like strong first and second half dichotomies. Yeah. And I'll say this. I mean, Denver and Miami, the thing they both have is a good passing center and a lot of guys running and cutting around them. And yeah. I, I think they probably do tax you more in a series with how much they make you move at the defensive end, especially compared to someone like Houston, let's say. Yeah. Yeah, that's a, a really good point. I mean, you've got Robinson and Hero for Miami, and you've got um, Murray and Gary Harris for Denver. So, yeah, it's definitely a major consideration for these defenses who just have to chase guys around and particularly once they started making Kawhi do that I thought that's when his offensive production really started to decline and they went for the kill in game five and when they didn't get it you know they played those guys a lot of minutes and you know, Ethan Strauss your colleague at the athletic wrote an article that hey maybe these guys are not in shape because of all of the load management and stuff but it's been a long time as well since that load management. So uh, it's uh, yeah. I don't think the load management in January really played a role in this. It was really yeah. just can you can you get your guys back in and ramp them up? And you know, some teams had different strategies for dealing with the hiatus than other teams too. And and we may be seeing some of the results of that. Well, and even like Giannis, I think was like, yeah, he went like over a month without touching a basketball. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, during like the initial COVID lockdown, other guys. Uh, had access to stuff at their homes or were just breaking the rules to go and, and work out places. So I'm sure there's a, that difference too. And so I, we, we could change now here to just talking about the overall Clippers situation. And I talked about this a little bit last week with Houston, but how much can we take away from this now with yet another massive upset happening in the bubble to the three best teams were out in unceremonious fashion to teams that were markedly inferior, at least during the regular season. So is this more of an indication that you just try to run it back here and hope that things uh, are better because this was a weird situation you shouldn't put much stock into? I think from the Clippers' perspective, you you mostly run it back because, by and large, you were a good team. And really, up until up until Game 4 of the Denver series, you were a good team. Uh you know, they, I mean, they hung a buck 50 on Dallas in the first round. I mean, Dallas was a good team too. Like that was a tough team they played. I know they didn't sure. have Porzingis by the end, but, uh, that was a challenging series against a, a good team. And then by the end, they were dominating it. And then, and then their level of play just, just fell off. It was as if their inner clipperness somehow came out and had just had to express itself before they could make the conference finals. I'm concerned about them though. In the long term, this was obviously everyone knows that George and Leonard can be free agents after next year. But especially when you sign these guys who are 28, 29 years old, you know, I think Kawhi turns 30 next year. George, it, 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 he may already be 30. is going to be very soon. Like this first year was the good year, right? Like that's yeah. players, are, th- those guys are on the downside. Now, if you're a really 
an absolute top end superstar like Kawhi, those guys tend to hold their value maybe a little bit more into the early 30s. But someone like George in particular, if they made this trade and Kawhi encouraged them to make this trade, thinking that they're going to get the guy who was, you know, playing at a top five in the league level before he hurt his shoulders in OKC, I don't, sure, I'm not sure that guy exists anymore. I'm with you there. Yeah. But with each, with each passing year, the return on this, on this summer, decreases even even if Leonard and George end up re-signing they'll end up re-signing max deals when they may or may not be max players right so this this was the most likely year for them to win it the way they were they were set up and I think they they to their credit they went all in to try to do that I mean they gave up the first to get Marcus Morris they gave up the picks to bring in Paul George they were they were definitely in win now road I mean they didn't leave they didn't you know they didn't have any bullets left over by the end of this, but it just it just wasn't good enough at the end of the day. Yeah, Marcus Morris, if they re-sign him, he's 30 coming off a career year, particularly defensively. I think you could see him start to fall off uh, There's as a switch guy, you know, imagining him over the next couple of years being able to really keep up with guys on, on the perimeter and uh, effectuate that strategy. I'm not sure that that's going to be the case. And there's also going to be more competition next year as well things broke pretty well for them i mean this is a denver team that was supposed to be relatively easy picking this was the team everybody wanted to play against right yeah like like utah fell back it was like oh good we get denver okay no we're cool at six um yeah which is ironic because of the way that denver traditionally has tried to uh, avoid teams in the the first round but i'm i'm definitely a little bit where i'm not saying that they can't be a championship contender next year and depending on how things break with the lakers and golden state i might even pick them going mm-hmm. into the season but you know lou williams is a 33 harold may or may not be back if he he's an undersized center you know, we've probably already seen his best days if he does yeah. return uh and they're pretty much out assets i think they can't trade a pick now until the 2021 draft so uh you know what i think about sometimes is what if Kawhi had been willing to come there and then once he had already signed, Paul George made his trade demand and they went to OKC. The price probably would have been about half of what it ended up being for Paul George. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, if you were OKC at that point, just getting Shea Gildas Alexander, you know, you're probably most of the way there. Absolutely. And, you know, Gallo probably would have had to be in it. Gallo had to be in it for the money. Matching. But I mean, after that, what are you looking at? It's not five first. I'll tell you that. No. No, def- I mean, be- just because of the time pressure that Kawhi put on them and Sam Presti, credit him. I mean, one of the all time great jobs in negotiating to take them for literally everything that he possibly could. Yeah. Yeah. I guess the 2020 pick was the only thing because the, the first one is a 22. So, yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, that was great negotiating, but Kawhi kind of put them in that position. And, you know, I guess he wanted certainty that Paul George was going to be there. As opposed to just you know trusting the Clippers to try and get him and and working that out in advance with with Paul George and you know, even though it wasn't a hundred percent done, but now and it kind of just goes to the whole ad hoc nature of this team and probably why so many people in the league were like happy when they got their comeuppance, so to speak, was just there didn't seem to be a ton of trust with this group and it did seem to be a bunch of mercenaries kind of thrown together and. Uh, they it's funny in the end. because so we saw the same thing happen in Brooklyn this year, and I know KD didn't play, but where these teams that kind of built themselves into back end playoff teams 
with one kind of mentality and style and sort of traded that in for superstar equity and weren't able to still keep that kind of amazing chemistry and that grinding uh, mentality that that, that that had carried them. I mean, even during the regular season, even before the hiatus, you saw so many ups and downs with this team where they'd be, they'd be awesome one night, they'd give up 140 at home to Memphis the next, they'd, you know... Go to Minnesota and get the crap beat out of them. Like when, and these, these are games with Kawhi and George playing, you know, it was like, guys, what are you doing? And I think internally there was, you know, there were definitely mutterings through the year that some of the players weren't comfortable with the accommodation, let's say that was made for the two new guys, uh, both in terms of the, the load management and kind of that they moved to the head of the line in the star system, I guess. So I read something interesting recently. Older generations love to make fun of younger generations and say that we don't read and we don't know how to write anymore. But if you really think about it, younger generations are the most literate. Think of how much we text and we email. We actually communicate in writing much more than previous generations needed to. And that's where Grammarly can come in and really help you. With Grammarly Premium, you can become a much better writer. They've got Clarity Suggestions, a feature that makes your sentences clear, concise, and crisp by cutting out unnecessary and redundant words. They've got Vocabulary Suggestions. You can avoid overused words. You can avoid redundancies. That helps keep your readers engaged. It also helps you expand your vocabulary and can replace boring or bland words with more exciting, effective, and memorable ones. More than 20 million people use Grammarly to put their best words forward, and it works on everything outlook gmail twitter linkedin and more don't just say it make a statement with clear flawless text that's sure to impress it doesn't just correct your mistakes there's much more to it than that it helps you build up your skills as a writer and get better the way to get started with them is grammarly.com slash per that'll get you 20 percent off grammarly premium when you sign up that's grammarly.com slash pr for 20 percent off grammarly the word grammar plus l-y-g-r-a-m-m-a-r-l-y.com slash pr do you talk about sports with your friends and say things like i've got real estate on waiters island well now prediction strike makes that a real possibility it lets fans create portfolios of their favorite athletes so they can get even closer to the game prediction strike is the only performance-based sports stock market where you can buy and trade based on the performance of professional athletes go to predictionstrike.com enter the code per easy to remember because john invented it create an account then you can deposit funds to buy and trade shares based on how your favorite players are playing the value of the players will change based on the game performance and you can trade your shares at any time as long as the player isn't currently in a game get started today by visiting prediction strike and sign up with that per code to get an additional 10 percent with your first deposit of 20 dollars or more what did you make of the fact that like Kawhi and paul george would take like an hour and 15 minutes to talk to the media after every game <laughs> and you, you you've been on both sides that's obviously what they wanted it's, like what did you think of it's that? so frustrating i mean it's just part of the deal. I don't know. I mean, every team has their own bullshit with the media that you, that you have to deal with. Uh, you know, I mean, like the, I mean, the Spurs were horrible with that, but it didn't, it didn't really affect them, right? And I, I it's it's I, hard for me to connect a lot of sense. dots on that. But we, we, yeah. we, 
I guess, uh, is, is there a particular angle you're going with this? Well, I, I, no, I, I don't know. I just wanted to see what your thoughts were because obviously that's like, it's just kind of a dick move to do that, right? And, you know, this wouldn't be like the first NBA superstars to do that, but you're putting, you know, your team communications guy, uh, your PR guy in a bad position there. There's I've, no real reason to do that other than just to like hope that everyone gets sick of waiting for you and goes and writes their game story and you don't have to talk. Yeah. Um, I mean, the, I mean, the Spurs would, anytime they would lose at home, like Tim Duncan and Tony Parker would be out a back door by the time the locker room opened. So, I mean, I've definitely seen worse. Yeah. Well, at least that I'm sure most people in the media would say that's better than having to wait for an hour and a half. Just... <laughs> right. <laughs> oh, you're not talking. Okay. <laughs> yeah. That, that, that's uh... so, um, Obviously, an organization will happily, you know, if I were running the Clippers, I'd tell the media to fuck off in that situation, too. The media is, is all about the stressing the overimportance of their own interviews that they're doing. Mm-hmm. So, like, I'd rather keep my stars happy. I would have handled it the same way as the Clippers. But it's just another example of just kind of not having everyone on the same page, not really making being willing to make any kind of sacrifice for each other. Mm-hmm. You know, if you're really like a team player in this organization, if you're a leader, you're not going to make Montrez Harrell and Patrick Beverly have to be, and Lou Williams have to be the guys facing the media after a tough loss. Like you're the leader of the team. Like you, that's kind of part yeah. of the deal, right? Yeah. Yeah. That, that is, that is the one thing I've always thought that, that that's part of, that that's part of the leadership role too, is that you're the guy who stands up and faces the music when, when things don't go well. What did you think of? Because I think a lot of people are are hammering Doc Rivers over handle, how he handled this series too. Uh, what what were your thoughts on that? Oh, it was just as bad as everyone said. I mean, and even like Shams' piece today talked about how uh, the, his quote was several strategic decisions that left players scratching their heads, such as not riding a bigger lineup against Nikola Jokic, i.e., mm-hmm. not playing Ivica Zubats, yeah. and choosing rotations that did not prioritize more minutes for. Michael Green. Okay, so basically what that's saying is get Montrose Harrell the fuck out of the lineup. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Is, right? Exactly. I mean, he he rode him and to an extent I understand I understood him playing him through the first two rounds and trying to get him to come around. If you're thinking championship, that's the right play. But at some point where you're in a where you you have a series that's going 3-2, 3-3, you you got to be willing to change gears and make sure you get out of that round that you're in. That's still your first priority. And the level of trust he showed in, in Harrell was not warranted by his production, let's say. And Zuba, I thought Zubats was really good. I thought even sure. against Jokic, he did far better than anyone else. And it was much more plausible to have Zubats on him and, and live with some pick-and-pop three-pointers and... You know, and you don't have to double team as much, and it's not a panic double team when you do send one. Like, oh I, yeah, their double teaming was atrocious. Like, they basically had whoever was standing as far away from Jokic as possible start sprinting towards him, like right in his line of vision. <laughs> right. <laughs> Which maybe you can get away with against like Hassan Whiteside, but <laughs> not not against Jokic. Yeah, it was uh, it, it was pretty ugly. So anything else uh, on the Clippers or, or do you want to move into our, our next segment here? I'm just looking at this team and wondering what they do this offseason. 
I mean, they have some interesting questions. I mean, Harrell is a free agent. He was good most of the year for him, but is that is that money you want to pay? And what, what what do you think his market is? Yeah, that's an interesting question. Like he's, you know, for me, it's just it, it really is is a shame for him because you know he part of the reason he was bad was because like he lost his grandmother and wasn't in the bubble, and I thought he got a little bit heavy as a result of that. Yeah, but like clearly. to lose your grandmother and now also not get paid because essentially that happened. I mean, that's awful. Yeah, yeah, that's rough. Um, but uh, I mean, if we're being cold and calculating about it you know maybe there's a charlotte hornets i I think it really just depends on what these teams that have cap space you know or like detroit for example like are they actually really trying to get better you know maybe you could get harrell on something that's above the mid-level but not that much above the mid-level and i guess the question is do you know suppose shams reported there's mutual interest in harrell returning to the clippers do you match that as the Clippers? Are? I mean, I do think that there's, particularly with him getting older, the concerns about him in the playoffs were exacerbated. He's not going to be as bad probably next year as he was this year. But the theory of him in the playoffs was never that great just due to his defensive limitations. So do you right. re-sign him and then try to just have him as salary cap fodder that you can move at a later time? Do you just keep him around so you can just have something take the burden off of George and Leonard during the regular season as a scorer. And uh, I mean, I think I probably would try to bring him back as long as, as long as it doesn't get much above like 12 or 13 million. So that's my instinct. It does bring up an interesting question though, because between Harrell, Marcus Morris and the full mid-level exception, you basically can do two. I mean, you could sign yeah. somebody for the taxpayer mid-level, but would you be better off maybe? And I don't even know who the player is, but signing signing a guard for your full mid level like not not having a real point guard who could like dribble and create and do point guardy things i thought really hurt them yeah i i think that's fair i mean they are a very poor passing team at at this point in time right and and you just you didn't see i mean every once in a while they'd get like the center rolling to the rim and pick and roll but you didn't see really any kind of offense where you know they're getting back doors or easy buckets out of stuff like they just don't have those kind of cutters and they don't have those kind of passers and they don't have that type of scheme with this group or togetherness so i mean that would be something maybe to prioritize but you know i'm sure they would love to get their hands on goran dragic but you know would they be willing to just go enough years that miami what was probably going to be a big one-year offer to dragic like wouldn't be enough yeah you'd probably have to go three years on a full mid-level deal for dragic to really spook miami because i mean miami's trying to load up for that 21 market obviously oh yeah I, I don't know that there is a, a player in free agency that that's that awesome and i think that you just gotta say hey we hope that, that maybe you go into next season and you re-sign harrell and morris and <clears throat> then just those guys would still in theory have some trade value morris yeah. is part of what they're trying to do but harrell Lou Williams, they've got Shamit still. Like they have some guys that they could potentially trade. Yeah. Uh, that could have some value in theory, although not having the draft picks obviously really limits you. But I, I think just for so many teams, it's going to be a consolidation summer. And then let's see what happens next year in a more normal season and all the big moves happen at the deadline. Yeah, I do think it's going to be an interesting trade deadline, especially because as you, like it's not a great free agent class, but people are going to be making moves ahead of 21. And some of these teams that have hold, held off on moves, I think, are gonna are gonna do stuff at the trade deadline. So you're right. If you just if you just 
have these guys as a store of value because the contracts kind of between five and twenty million. That those are the grease for trades. So you you need some of them around. That 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 could be their play, especially if they can get Morris and Harrell on relatively short deals. Yeah, and I'm not sure who they're getting for the full mid level. That's better than Morris or Harrell. It would be. I mean, it, could you get Jordan Clarkson? Uh, I liked him better when he was named Lou Williams. On yeah, this team. yeah, <laughs> yeah. Jordan Clarkson, Lou Williams backcourt. Think there could be some defensive problems there. Um, yeah. So that I think there's going to be some issues. Uh, no matter what, there the because the only good free agent point guard is Fred Van Vliet, who's way out of their price range unless they come up with some crazy sign and trade. Yeah. So maybe I would try to go after Dragic with a three year full mid level deal. I mean, he has thirty four in this july so that's uh and and there's no one else that really sticks out to me as someone you know the point guard market and the small forward market are are so limited yeah this year yeah and you know maybe you you know would you rather have mantras harrell or like you know justin holiday or something yeah i'd probably go harrell probably i mean he at least plays a different position than than Kawhi and and paul george I mean, I think they got they because they sort of got in this situation with with because they had Harkless this year, and I felt like he got a little lost there. Yeah, yeah, and his lack of shooting was a, a little bit of an issue as well. And you can kind of get some guys, you know. I think there are going to be a lot of players sifting through minimum offers, and the Clippers will be they'll be able to fill in the back of their bench. Yeah, yeah. Uh, they also could just like maybe give Rodney Magruder a little bit of a shot too. Like I think he's actually you know certainly during the regular season can give them some competent two-way play i don't know why he just completely fell out of it there i I thought he was pretty bad this year well maybe that's a reason (laughs) (laughs) i I mean i didn't think he played enough to really come to that conclusion compared Mm -hmm. to like what he was able to do in miami like i I might have given him some more chances you'll have heard me talk a ton now about theragun but maybe the best advertisement for it is how i feel when i don't use it for a while it's part of my daily routine to use it for a few minutes every day my glutes my lower back my shoulders and if i ever have days where i'm like ah you know what? i'm just not gonna do it today man i feel tight the next day it really makes such a huge difference i always find i sleep better after using it as well theragun is the best way even better than professional massage in my opinion for really getting rid of adhesions getting your muscles back feeling the way that you want them to but you don't have to take my word for it you can try theragun risk-free for 30 days or your money back by going to theragun.com slash pr you can feel better naturally treat your pain and get back to your life plus for a limited time my listeners get a free charging stand with purchase a 79 dollars value that's theragun.com slash pr easy to remember because john invented it that's theragun.com slash per what's up sports fans matt peck here host of locked on bulls and i want to talk to you really quickly about another excellent podcast Huge Fan is a new Sirius XM original podcast where stars talk sports. Each week, join host LaChina Robinson as she chats with your favorite celebs about childhood sports memories, game day rituals, the most heated rivalries, and more. And this new season features huge names like Anthony Ramos from In the Heights and Hamilton, Pat Carney from the Black Keys, Mel C, that's right, a.k.a. Sporty Spice from the Spice Girls, and even actress Michelle Williams talking about her love for our very own Chicago Bulls. Huge Fan is a fresh way to connect with your favorite artists, actors, and personalities about something we all understand, fandom. 
Huge Fan is now out on Pandora, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, or wherever it is that you get your podcasts. And don't forget to follow the show or subscribe on your favorite podcast app so you never miss an episode. Let's uh, let's shift now here okay. to discussing the playoff winners and losers so far. Part of this can be as part of free agency. Part of it can be talking about what, you know, there's a lot of players who have played well or played poorly or same thing with coaches and their perception may have changed. And is that warranted or not? So let's, uh, let's start off uh, with this one. And I think Nikola Jokic is probably the, the number one guy who maybe has boosted his stock the most in terms of just you know, being a foundational player. And I mean, are you, do you see him now as a, top five player potentially in the league having outplayed Kawhi Leonard in this series I'm more comfortable saying he's a top 10 player in the league I'm not going to go top five yet well it is very interesting because we always thought he's just not going to hold up well enough defensively that was my big reason I think you can even make the argument he's pretty close to a top five offensive player in the league but I always felt your defense just can't be good enough with Jokic you're just so limited from a scheme perspective he's not a great rim protector but then they completely shut down the LA Clippers, who are you know one of the best offensive teams in basketball, and they have those big wings that supposedly were going to cause all sorts of problems for him. Um, now, and they actually even got it together against Utah down the end too. So, is it? Do you believe that his defensive shortcomings are not that big of a deal, or is there something just weird about this bubble experience where you get back against teams that are really going to run spread, pick and roll, and he's going to run into trouble? Uh, I think two things. One, I still don't think he's a 44% three-point shooter or whatever he's been yeah. shooting at in these games. And, and he's not going to continue to shoot 10 out of 12 on shots to tie or take the lead in the last <laughs> minute of the game either. Although that's, I mean, that's awesome that he's doing that. Uh, uh yeah. I mean, that's, that's really, I, I don't recall ever seeing anything like that, frankly, because usually efficiency goes down during those yeah. circumstances. That tip in at the end of the shot clock <laughs> against oh, the Lakers. So good. What a ridiculous play. Oh, man. I had me rewinding a couple times, like how did he yeah. do that? Um, and and it's also worth noting as well that Denver. I mean, I think they they have still a negative. Even going into the Lakers series, I think they had a negative point differential correct. for the playoffs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The um, you know, and defensively, like he was, you know, Utah really went after him the first four games, and then he suddenly just like got better. I still don't think he's anywhere near elite though defensively especially when you compare him to some of the other players we're talking about now when we get in the top five, uh, you know, Anthony Davis and LeBron James and people like that. Here's what makes him different, though, than your typical star. And Joel Embiid, for example, who mm-hmm. you know really struggled in that Boston series, despite the fact that Boston didn't really have anyone to match up with him one-on-one, is he's dribbling the ball all the time. He has great ball handling skills. You're not going to take it from him. And he can shoot the ball. So you can he could be the hub of your offense in a way that, most centers historically have not been able to be. And so that is huge in terms of the playoffs. Like he has been very effective offensively in these two playoff runs. Granted, you know, last year it wasn't against great teams. This year it was against uh, some yeah. pretty good. The, abil- the ability to dribble and the other underrated thing is the ability to pass on the move. Oh, yeah. Which there have been great passing big men before, but they couldn't pass off the dribble moving the way this guy can where he's he's unbelievable the way he looks defenders off and basically create creates open shots for people as opposed to just passing to somebody who is already open 
I mean, they should just paint like some jock straps on the ground in the Nuggets arena when they get back there to memorialize all the times that he looked off Kawhi Leonard and had him just running a completely different direction. Oh, yeah. Lay up for guys. Yeah. Yeah. He got him a few times in that series. That was pretty amazing to see. Uh, and yet, I don't know if he's the nugget who raised his stock the most. Yeah, Jamal Murray, who I always loved. I thought he could be like almost maybe like a Steph Curry light player. Then he signs the five-year max extension. And, you know, that seemed a little aggressive to me on the first day with no negotiation. The Nuggets, they'll do that uh, mm-hmm. with guys. Uh, and for uh, Jeremy Grant uh, is hoping that he's going to be the next guy. <laughs> yeah, <group>. really? <laughs> um uh, and he's another guy whose stock I think has gone up as a, a guy who can guard some of the best players. But yeah, I, you know, it, for Murray, it's a little more predicated just on the shot making overall. Now he has gained some weight and gotten stronger, which I think has really helped him against some smaller guards. We'll see how this series plays out for him. But I mean, also just the ability for both those guys to be playing like 40, 44 minutes yeah. in, in these playoffs. I mean, that's, that's got a lot of value when, you know, on the, the other side of the bracket, Jimmy Butler is playing 36, you know, or even LeBron is only playing 36. I'm sure he can ramp it up if they need or it. Or these, but. or these other guys that have played 40 have dropped off and, and we haven't right. really seen it with Denver's guys. Um, the, the shot making has been big for him. I, I mean, I thought he was really good last night, even though Denver lost like the, the caliber of shots he has to make in terms of like, okay, I've got Anthony Davis on me on a switch and I'm just going to go at him and score anyway. Like like this stuff you don't really see from B level players. Let's put it that way. Yeah, and so you know, I think maybe he's kind of pushing himself into that echelon of the. You know, are you going to put him now in the Devin Booker, Donovan Mitchell, um, you know, Bradley Beal type of class? You know, is he forcing his way in there, or, or are you not ready to say that? I can't. I can't go there until I see him do it over the course of a regular season. I mean, this is sixteen yeah. games. Uh, so I, I can't quite get there yet, but he's he's making that max contract look, you know, a lot a lot better than it did. And then the other yeah. thing I will say, I mean, when you're in a market like Denver, you get the five years. You know, that's the mistake Utah made on Gobert. It's the mistake Milwaukee made on Giannis. Getting the discount from the max on the contract is nice, but getting the rights to the player for five years with no options. That's the thing you want because you can't replace those guys if they leave when you're not in a glamour market. Yeah, although Denver should be a glamour market. It's awesome there. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know why that'd be. Well, I, I mean, I stri- I mean, we had the same thing with Vancouver back in the day, right? Like, yeah, I guess, I guess when you can't go skiing during the season, maybe it doesn't have <laughs> much of an appeal. Uh, or snowboarding in the case of Vlad Rodmanovich. Second time I've referenced the Vlad Rodmanovich snowboarding accident on this, this show. This is good. This is good. <laughs> You're on a roll. Uh, uh, should, uh, yeah, should we, yeah, should we talk about Plumlee's free agent status? No. Did you notice, by the way, at the beginning of the fourth quarter, the other Plumlee special got an offensive foul trying to flash into the post against a switch when Murray was working against a big on the perimeter? I can't, I can't do it anymore, John. I just I, <laughs> let's, let's, Maybe we should talk about Miles Plumlee's free agency instead. <laughs> Self-awareness is an underrated skill in the league. <laughs> well, he certainly has been uh, empowered a bit too much, uh, yeah. I would say. Yeah. Uh, quickly, what did you think of the P.J. Dozier minutes closing the game last night? 
Shocking, right? I mean, I give Mike Malone credit. I mean, he had the balls to pull Gary Harris, who was not good in in game two, and just put. He just said, "Screw this! I'm putting Dozier in." And I mean, the guy got an and one on Anthony Davis and took a charge on LeBron James in the fourth quarter of a conference finals game. Like that's that's pretty good, right? He he shot one of five from the line, and shooting is is not a a skill of his. So. Uh, that that part was unfortunate, and they left some money on the table because of that. But I mean, he played really well. I thought. Hey, actually, I, I want to make it make an edit note here. Can you just either move back a little bit from the mic, or maybe turn turn yourself down a little bit? I just realized you're coming in a little bit hot. Should be fine, but we can optimize right. it going forward here. Okay, uh, I'm a little further away now. Yeah, that's perfect. Thanks. Okay, I, try, um, I turned down my volume I, slightly I, too. Yeah, I think you, you got a little excited with the the PJ Dozier, so you know that was. Uh, more, more um, than Plumley. <laughs> all, right, all right, yeah. Let me let me respond to what you're just saying here. Yeah, he made like three nice plays, but like on the broadcast, they're like, oh yeah, he saved him. He's been unbelievable. It's like really, like, yeah. it, and then in the last minute, he uh, on the play where Jokic ended up getting the tip in, he's like dribbling around, like can barely even like control his dribble as he's trying to enter the ball into Jokic, and it ends up not working. And I, I that that yeah, I, I, that's yeah. that's a good point. That was an aimless wander on that last play before the uh, the Jokic tip. But it, you know, Malone, I've given him credit that what in the the past has been derided as, by me as random button pushing. He's that's largely succeeded at times in, in these playoffs. But I thought that that didn't succeed, and you know, so just all right, we're making the comeback with this guy, and he made two nice plays. It's like, yeah, but you know, Gary Harris gets paid twenty million a year for a reason, and PJ Dozier, you just signed him off two way for a reason, so. Uh, or even to go with like Michael Porter. On he could have gone with Porter. Only. He could have gone with Monty yeah. Morris. Yeah. 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 Morris, I understand since he's like a little bit smaller. I think they wanted a little more force defensively, but, um, okay. So let's, uh, let's move outside the Nuggets here. Some more, uh, players whose impressions that uh, may have changed. Dragic has got to be in there, right? Oh my goodness. Yeah. I mean, he, I mean, he was Kendrick's nuns backup on merit for most of the year. And he just found another gear. You you could really see it right from the beginning of the of the bubble games that he just he just had that extra step that he hadn't had for at least a year and a half. And he's shooting the ball really well too. I don't you know maybe that's random. Maybe that holds up. We'll see. But couldn't have timed it better too. I mean he's I think he was looking at getting like taxpayer mid level money, and now he's at least mid level if not more. And it's going to be really interesting for Miami because he might have played himself out of being re-signable if you're really focused on that 21 market. Yeah, they've got about $20 million in cap space without him, and but they also want to bring back Jay Crowder, you would think. So <clears throat> do they just try to go big one-year offers for both of those guys? I mean, they're both and, at points. And Derek Jones. Yeah, that's another one too. So can if you they wanted to stay below the tax... They've got about forty-four million. Is that enough to re-sign Crowder, Jones, and Dragic, but all of them on one-year deals, where you obviously have to pay a premium? I think they could probably pull it off. Jones is the interesting one because you could see, you know, one of these kind of forlorn Eastern Conference teams that have money just decide to, you know, screw it. We'll give him four years, fifty-five or something, and make him a starter. I'm not saying yeah. that's advisable, but I could see it happening. Sure. And I mean, that's pretty close to just a four year mid level exception deal. I don't know that it's going to be that high for him. I really, it's just going to be fascinating to see 
who actually wins. I mean, how many like actual good contracts slots even exist? You know, you've got the five teams with space. You know, Knicks and Hawks have enough for multiple good contracts. But I mean, are there going to be 10, 15 contracts that are even full, you know, that are more than, say, 25, 30 million guaranteed this offseason? Oh, when you start looking at the years, too. Yeah. That'll be interesting. Yeah. You would, on the one hand, you could say teams might be a little careful. On the other hand, a forward thinking team might say, this is an opportunity to lock in a no number, low number before the cap goes back up again. Yeah. It, it does just seem like everyone is just going to sort of be like, all right, let's just, there's so much uncertainty, both for players and teams and the cap going down. So there's less space and teams just are going to want to spend less overall cash. It, it does seem like they're just going to be, this is going to be 2018 off season, maybe even more so. Yeah. I'm anticipating a tight market, uh, more one year deals probably. And, you know, from talking to a couple of agents about it, I, I think that's probably the direction it's going to go. We're not going to see a lot of opt-outs. I think some of the guys we speculated on maybe earlier are probably more inclined to just take the money their final season than we might have thought earlier. You know, when yeah. you get into like the Fourniers and Hardaways and people like that. The model of traditional auto parts stores is broken. You walk in there, they've got all these generic parts that aren't even for your car. So you go up to the desk and you say, hey, you know, do you have this part that I need for my 2012 Accord? Oh, let me check on the computer. No, we don't have that. We got to order that. Well, okay, so why did I just bother coming to your store then? Why didn't I just go to rockauto.com, enter in my 2012 Accord, and get a look at all of the parts that are available for my car at a price that's the same whether you're a do-it-yourselfer or a professional mechanic? You don't need a membership. You don't need an account login. Everyone wants you to create this account login now to do anything. Thing. They're a family business at rockauto.com, serving auto parts customers online for 20 years. Go to rockauto.com to shop for auto and body parts from hundreds of manufacturers, right locked on in their How Did You Hear About Us box so they know that you came from us. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need at rockauto.com. Built Bar is back as a sponsor. They've got 18 amazing flavors, including nut and non-nut flavors. Six new ones. Caramel brownie, cookies and cream, cherry barcia, lemon almond cheesecake, carrot cake, apple almond crisp, plus their 12 original flavors. The bars are covered in 100% chocolate. They're soft and easy to chew. They don't taste like they just came out of a limestone quarry, like most protein bars do. They're low-calorie, low-sugar, High protein, high fiber, great for a keto diet. Take, for example, their peanut butter flavor, 19 grams of protein, 180 calories, 5 grams of sugar, 5 grams of net carbs. And it's a great way to make yourself feel full so you don't overeat later and you get the protein that you need to build or maintain muscle. Also, you can get a free cooler with purchase while supplies last. Go to BuiltBar.com and use the promo code LOCKEDON, the name of this network, and get $10 off your next order. Use promo code LOCKEDON for $10 off at BuiltBar.com. Um. All right. Who Who else uh, do you have as a big winner here? Contavious Caldwell Pope. Interesting. Shooting the lights out in the playoffs has a player option for eight and a half million next year. I think somebody could pay him to be a starter potentially. I think he's a good defensive player. I think he's always had the ability to be a good shooter and kind of. I don't know why his percentage has been so low. You watch him shoot; he looks pretty good. Uh, not really a great shot creator. Or, um, good athlete, but not like a super athlete, but. I think he's a guy who's really helped himself and could get paid to the extent anyone gets paid this summer. I think he could. Well, you have to imagine it's just going to go back to the Lakers, right? If he if he opts out, they got plenty of bird rights on him at this point. Yeah, unless there's a 
a wackadoo offer from another team. I think that's probably the end game. Yeah. Now the Lakers, their big concern will be, I mean, I imagine they'll be willing to pay the tax, which, you know, they've been just printing money these last few years with like pretty cheap teams. Yeah. But then their issue is, can they stay enough under the apron to use the full mid-level? And if they have to pay KCP a lot more, then maybe not. Rondo's another one, too, who's looked awesome. And you imagine he'll opt out of his player option and expect to get paid more. Which is amazing, because I thought for sure he would opt in based on his regular season. Yeah. And then you go the opposite way. I mean, JaVale McGee, who actually had a good regular season, he's got a player option of 4.2. Hasn't really been a factor in these playoffs. I, he's got to opt in. I, I I I think it's very. There's just what is his? There's no market, market for centers, right? Yeah. Like, yeah, your are, your are upside you is getting the taxpayer mid level and making like a million yeah. more, right? Yeah. Are you are you bringing in him in to be your starter? I I don't think so. You know, he's a 15, 20 minute a game guy in the best of times. Yeah. Yeah. What about uh, Dwight Howard? Yeah. I mean, that's a, that's another one where again, it's just if it were a different market. I think that, and he's also at 34 now. He's still like not the greatest chemistry guy, probably, but certainly it's looked really, really good. I mean, athletically, uh, it looks like he did really bef- before he went to Atlanta. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, if he had played like this in Charlotte and Atlanta, like was this focused on doing kind of the right things when he didn't have the ball instead of trying to post up 30 times a game and to get 17 points? Um, you know, I, th- I think it could have gone really differently there. What's, well, what's, and he's also, he's just healthy again, right? Like he's, he's lost a bunch of weight. Uh, his back is okay. His knees are okay. So that, that I think has been a big part of it too. He was, um, last night, he was, uh, you know how when you play pickup, there's like the crazy reckless guy who you kind of don't really want to go against because he, because he, there's a decent chance he'll injure you with a foul or something. <laughs> Well, he was that guy in game one, too. It's just the refs let him get away with it. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I was going to ask you this, actually, because we talked about this of the old, like, send the tape into the league during the playoffs. Oh, yeah. It definitely seemed like the they, Nuggets the Nuggets the tape of him. Well, yeah. I mean, certainly you're going to send in the the tape of the, the play that wasn't called a flagrant when he swung two hands down. You could see Malone arguing about it with the ref in real time uh, against Jokic. Cer- certainly they'll send that one in. Um, yeah. And probably a few other examples of kind of over the top physicality. Uh, there was one play where he like, he like basically tried to take a charge on Jokic after the whistle blew for a timeout. Like he positioned himself between Jokic and the Denver bench <laughs> so that like, so that like Jokic would have to run into him. Um, just li- li- little grimy stuff like that. So yeah, that's definitely when, when you're on the team side, that's one of the things after a playoff game. If, if some stuff happened, you're going to, you know, have the video guys pull clips, get them together, send them to the league. They have, thankfully, an automated system now where you can do that. Um, <laughs> yeah. and, and an automated system that no one ever looks at. Yeah, yeah, exactly. No, it goes, I, I think after sends, sends it straight into a trash can with a, you know, with an automated reply. Thank you. We'll get back yeah. to you shortly. Well, um, well, whatever the mechanism on after game one, I mean, with just some of those little antagonizations yeah. that Howard was doing, and they definitely had a very, quick whistle on him which i thought was deserved because like i don't think i mean that stuff was effective in game one doing all that dennis rodman shit but that's not basketball exactly i'm glad that they did crack down on that yeah yeah for sure yeah crowder is another one i mean uh, all these guys on these surprise teams and then you know if you look at the uh, the teams that went out early i I would say the one guy who 
acquitted himself pretty well, even though it was a team that went out early. It was Chris Middleton. I thought he actually, especially once Giannis went out, was pretty mm-hmm. good. Mm-hmm. What do you think of, uh, I mean, Donovan Mitchell, obviously he was awesome. Do you, does that remove any doubt in your mind that he gets a five-year max from Utah? I mean, I never had any doubt beforehand. Now, whether he is, and he made the all-star team this year, the career arcs of those small guards, all those guys we talked about, of Murray maybe joining that group, is going to be absolutely fascinating. And I think all those guys are pretty similar quality, you know, maybe between 15th and 20th best players in the league. Maybe on a given year, one of them could pop up. And you can even put Trey Young in this category, too, Mm -hmm. of guys who, you know, really good offensive players, but... It's all just, I think our perception of them is just going to hinge on what's around them and, you know, whether they get hot in the playoffs or not. So now Mitchell had that awesome series against a Denver team that wasn't trying at all defensively in the first four games. And I don't know that my conception of him has changed that much yet. I mean, he was shooting crazy percentages off the drill. The the shot making was ridiculous. Yeah. And Murray too. Like, I mean, I think at one point Slater had this tweet that he was shooting 50% on over 100 attempts. I mean, it's basically the greatest playoff three-point shooting performance we've ever seen yeah. by Jamal Murray. And so that does make you think that whatever it is, whether it's the consistent shooting background or this bubble situation or, or whatever, who knows what it is or just luck, that it's hard to think that this is going to be sustainable in a normal NBA environment. Yeah. Uh, guy we haven't talked about, Brad Wanamaker. Danny and I actually talked about him last night mm-hmm. of this. I think he could be a victim of the Celtics tax concerns where the, it, it really is going to be in their best interest to try to keep his price down as much as possible. Yeah, they have some interesting uh, decisions to make there because, I mean, they could uh, they could potentially end up really far into the tax. Like if they use their taxpayer mid-level and sign a couple minimums, all of a sudden you're 20 million over. And this isn't a franchise, despite all its past glory, that sends $60 million checks to the league for the luxury tax. Uh, so yeah, this is $20 million over the luxury tax, not the yeah. cap to be clear. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So they're going to have to make some hard choices. I wonder if they do something with these first round picks they have, uh, to move money or bring in different players somehow. I mean, it's, and it's only going to get trickier from here is, I mean, Tatum only makes 9.9 next year. I assume it's a max after that, and it might be a 30% max, right? Yeah. Yeah, if he makes All-NBA next year, that'll be a, a interesting negotiation for them this summer. Yeah. Um, I mean, you know, maybe if Cantor were to opt out, but I don't think he will, given that how little he's played in these playoffs, that's $5 million, And you got probably, but with all these draft picks, got maybe seven million or so tied up there i mean maybe they if they can't trade those picks or punt them into the future maybe they just make them and then they try to just make a move to dump some salary maybe it's with Cantor. yeah Cantor, poirier and one of the picks and can you do something with that or maybe maybe they'll get bailed out by they're just being an agreement if even if the cap is lower to raise the tax for next year maybe that'll just be something that all the teams want and they'll agree on it yeah. Your other potential out here, which I think is really unlikely, is could you get Gordon Hayward to opt out and agree to an extended deal at a lower number? Yeah, like $25 million? I mean, what do you think it would take to for that? Four years and $100 million? There would probably that? have to be something like that because he probably feels pretty good about what he can get in free agency a year from now. Yeah. 
I mean, he's been pretty good this year. And, yeah. and Thir- you saw in game though. three what a yeah. what a difference maker he can be, even if he's not scoring a lot, just as a a connector who can handle the ball and make plays for people and he's big and just just a lot of positives. Um back to Wanamaker though. You uh you guys made a restricted free agent offer sheet to Kyle Anderson. Yes. Do you recall, like, did you guys have a decent idea of whether the Spurs were going to match or not? Because, I, I like, for Wanamaker, the reason you're getting him is, oh, he's going to be our solution at backup point guard. But you can't go into a season, potentially, without having a backup point guard. So there's the concern that if they match your offer, now you're stuck with nothing and all the other free agents are gone. So it's really tough for a guy like that who's going to come in and fill a role on a veteran team to potentially get yeah. an offer sheet. But what was your thought? I, mean, I guess you guys to me, to me, his yeah. situation is more like when we, um, we we actually were a lot more aggressive with restricted free agents than most teams. I think I think teams kind of talk themselves out of it too easily sometimes. Yeah. Um, in the case of uh, we we did Troy Daniels as a restricted free agent too, and we ended up doing a sign and trade and sending Charlotte cash. Um, but his situation was that the rest of the market had played out. And I think that's what happens with Wanamaker too. He's not the guy you're going after on the first day of free agency. But yeah. after some of the chips fall and you say, Oh no, we missed out on DJ Augustine and Goran Dragic. Like what, what do we do here? Then like if you sign the offer sheet and you have to wait three days, well, there, there's nobody else on the market anyway. You're not, you're not missing out on anything. Um, it was different in Kyle Anderson's case because we, uh, we did have to sit around and wait and we just felt like there was one. Real, like we had a good shot with our full mid level at one starting caliber wing, and he was the guy. You know what I mean? And so, and so we didn't have an alternate use for it that was anywhere near the same value. And we thought it was roughly 50 50 that the Spurs would match. So we, we thought that trade off was worth it at that time. That was, uh, 2018 offseason. They all run together. Um, I think that's right. Yeah. Yeah. So, so you guys were coming off a, season where you had you know you already had picked jaren like you're so it wasn't like after the 2017 offseason maybe you're in a different situation where you're like okay we got we just lost in the playoffs to the spurs like we're still trying to get better this was just a way to kind of build up the young asset base it it Um, was i mean the the other focus for us was that he was 25 i think at the time yeah so he was he was the one guy who we thought like who's who's at an age where he could be because we were still trying to be good that year with Mark and Mike, but we thought he could make help us be good that year, but also be part of what came next with Jaron and Dylan Brooks and whoever. But um, yeah, that that yeah. was that was a unique situation. And then you know you had to wait a couple days then too, and uh, and it it was really odd because you know you you can negotiate deals at the beginning of free agency, uh, or theoretically some people do it before then, but um, and but the the. You can't sign the offer sheet until the end of the moratorium, which was six days later that year. And you don't really want to drop the offer sheet on the other team until the last possible moment. You want to give them as little time as possible to react. Uh, so that was a very odd free agent summer for us because usually those first days in July, you're just running around like crazy. And we were just chilling, man. Like <laughs> we were like, what? What do we do? Like I don't know. I guess I'll watch another summer league game or something. Like it was. It was a very odd time because we just had this piece of business that was just waiting, and it was like you, there wasn't really much else that was going to happen until it got done. This year, it seems like we're going to be on a truncated timeline in the off season, so that may yes. help restricted free agents some. Where 
if the moratorium is only two days and then you only have two the two days to match that maybe there won't be as much of a feeding frenzy but given what we saw last year with basically everything being done after the first day other than Kauai, and also the fact that nobody has any money it's still probably gonna be pretty rough for these free agents yeah i i still don't have i guess great hopes for this for this crop it it there's not a lot of cap space out there either for them to go into. Although there's only one or two restricted guys that could maybe get above the mid level. You know, I, I mean, I guess like, like could Malik Beasley, I guess maybe. Um, you know, who, who are the other restricteds that are really out there? Bogdanovich. Yeah, that's that's Brandon one for Ingram. Sure. That's probably it. Ingram, yeah. I guess I don't even think about because I just assume he's getting a max from New Orleans, but. I guess we'll see. Yeah, the, they might try to squeeze him a little bit. We'll, I guess we'll, we'll see about that. I mean, they could be kind of the Jokic, ten million less than the max. Yeah, deal. and and get five years. Yeah. So here's something else to talk about. This is maybe a little bit premature right now, but if we want to talk winners and losers, the demise of Kawhi and the demise of Giannis and the demise of James Harden at his own hands sure is breaking right for LeBron James to be. Oh. Widely considered once more the best player in the NBA at age 35. The Lakers, I would probably take them versus the field right now, particularly with a 2-0 lead against Denver. Oh, it's, it is all lined up on a silver platter for him without yeah. any question. And if he wins another championship at age 35 as the best player in the league and gets a finals MVP, where does that change him as far as the greatest of all time debate with Jordan? Yeah, I I still got to go, Mike. I mean, so I can I back this up a little bit though, please. To be the best player in the league, don't you also have to be the best player on your own team? Hmm. Mm. Well, he's going to be perceived as the I, best. I player think that part is true. But like, Anthony it, it, Davis, these playoffs has been absolutely phenomenal. No, I I agree with you, and and I mean, if we're going to do our playoffs MVP. It probably is him, uh, I would say, at this point, particularly after that big game-winning shot that he just hit, which, yeah, you know, that's not necessarily predictive, but it's also, it happened, and it won you a game. So, so and and I bring that up, too, because I don't think it's fait accompli at all that he wins finals MVP, even if they win, right? Especially, I mean, if you look at a, at a matchup with uh, potentially Boston, where Davis could dominate those guys— I think it's very easy for him to end up being finals MVP. Yeah, I think that's possible. Although it it seems like the sentiment will certainly be with LeBron. And particularly, let's just say that his little rant about how he got so few votes in the MVP, I think was very calculated mm-hmm. to sort of now get it out there in the media that, oh, we owe it. We got to make this up to him that he really to just get people talking about because the, the subtext of what he's saying is. I'm still the best player. It's ridiculous that I didn't win MVP. Yeah. Right. I mean, that's, that's what he's trying to, uh, the narrative that he's trying to get out there. If Anthony Davis had a follow up narrative or a follow up rant about the narrative on finals MVP voting, I think, I think it would break Twitter. <laughs> but just, just trying to get ahead of it. So, I mean, with that, I mean, I think the last time I really looked at this question was before the 2018 playoffs and LeBron was unbelievable in those 2018 playoffs. And if he's probably going to win one again, certainly it gets that a lot closer. And yeah, you guys like you and me who who grew up in the eighties and nineties and saw Jordan and, you know, there's certainly a nostalgia there for a lot of people with Jordan and the things will never be as good as they were before crowd. But particularly 
when you consider the longevity. He has longevity on Jordan, yes. Not on Kareem, but on Jordan. If your criterion for who the best player is, is, all right, if you played this guy's career out a thousand times and you just put him on a random team to start his career, how many championships do you win over the course of your career? You know, I mean, he's going to have, Jordan really only had probably, you know, like 10 real high level of seasons, you know, maybe, or like 12, something like that. And LeBron is going to blow past that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, anything else you want to talk about here before we go? Anyone uh, we talked about winners yeah. and losers and this guy isn't a free agent, but can we talk about Alex Caruso? <laughs> I mean, he's, he's been phenomenal. He's making shots. He had that. I mean, he's always been good in transition. He had that, he had that dunk, obviously. Uh, in the first half, but he's, he's done stuff as a, as a passer. He plays really well in units with LeBron. He, you know, he guarded James Harden very well last season. He's been guarding Murray this series. And that was a guy that they just found. And so as, as much as the Lakers have kind of lucked into most of their team just by virtue of being the Lakers and not really having to do anything else other than have the word Lakers on their jersey and be in Los Angeles. Caruso is the exception. Like he's 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 the guy that they came up with and he's really been a difference maker in these playoffs. Yeah. You could put Kuzma in that category and Jordan Clarkson was was in that category years ago and Josh Hart, who was part of what they traded for yeah. ADs, they've had, and, they definitely, and Taylor Horton Tucker looks like he might actually be a player. Yeah. Yeah. He had, he had a nice little run in that, uh, was it, was it, it was in the, it was in the last series, right? Against yeah, Houston. Yeah. In the, yeah. In the Houston series. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. The, um, and the other guy, obviously Zubots, who then they just gave away <laughs> the trade deadline a year yeah, ago. Yeah. Um, no, I, I think he, he looks pretty good. I'm trying to think if there are any other, I mean, well, obviously, Tobias Harris and Al Horford are two that really, and um, their stock has fallen quite a bit over, and the playoffs maybe just kind of confirmed that, that it just wasn't going to work with them. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I kind of got away from the first round guys a little bit because it's in our, in our rear view mirror so far now. You know, we didn't really talk about Toronto's guys. Pascal Siakam had a rough playoffs. That's true. And OG Ananobi had a great playoffs. He's going to be a a extension eligible now. Interesting decision if you're trying to preserve the cap room because you're probably better off keeping his cap hold at eleven six than paying him whatever you're going to pay him in an extension. Yeah. Now maybe they could go up to something like you know start a starting salary of fifteen a year. They probably could. You know, tell me what Van Vliet's number is, and I'd probably feel more comfortable doing that. Yeah, they could always stretch Powell too in the summer of 2021 to open up the space or move him. Or tra- 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 I mean, he, he'll he be tradable at his number. if He he might opt out, too. I mean... Could be, yeah. 11-6. I mean, someone could pay him more than that to be a starter. So maybe maybe there is a deal to be made there where as long as it doesn't really start much above, like, 15. You know, I think you can you can always find 3 million in the couch cushions if you really need to in these situations. Yeah, definitely. Last thing I want to talk about here, what made me think of Harris and Horford is... The Philly coaching search. So Shams reported Mike D'Antoni, Billy Donovan, and Ty Lue are expected to be part of the next round of interviews and are strongly vying for and interested in the position. Any of those guys seem really good for Philly? So uh, Ty Lue, maybe? Uh, D'Antoni, the way he wants to play, is in total opposition to how that team is set up right now. So it would be interesting for sure. 
Uh, I'm, I'm not sure how exactly that works. Also leaves a little bit of a bad taste, like, cause he was the guy Colangelo brought in to be the assistant. So like, if he's, if he ends up being the guy there, I hate to say this because he's done a great job, but you, you're still going to sort of be wondering in the back of your mind is like, is, is Jerry whispering stuff to these guys behind the scenes or what's going on here? Um, Ty Lue, I think would be a good fit. Donovan, I mean, I just like I just didn't think he did a great job in playoff games. Like I, th- I thought he was kind of like he was another version of Scott Brooks almost, where he coaches a little bit on autopilot and it and it gets guys through the regular season and there isn't a lot of drama or anything. But in those high leverage moments, he can kind of fall short. So I like Lou the best out of all three of those guys by a significant margin, and that's because I think. You know, really, they need someone who can come in with a championship pedigree and can tell Joel Abid and Ben Simmons that they need to make some changes and to help effectuate that changes, whether it's Simmons with the jump shot and B getting into better shape. I mean, I think just uh, emotionally, it seems like there's always something bad about this Sixers group. And, mm-hmm. you know, Billy Donovan has just, you know, got run rough shot over by Russell Westbrook. He was never able to tell him anything. Yeah. D'Antoni, I don't think he's really, you know, he's kind of like, all right, you guys should just be mature and should just, you know, kind of coach yourselves and I'll do the strategy. And I'm he's not really a motivator type. So I think I would like Lou the best. And, you know, particularly I share your concerns about D'Antoni of like uh, his spread pick and roll obviously does not work at all with their personnel even the iso stuff with spacing that they did doesn't really seem to work that well so i'm not saying he can't come up with a new strategy but he would have to and you know he doesn't have a demonstrated track record of working with these type of rosters yeah i Ty Lu to me has the gravitas to be able to talk talk to these guys but also i mean seeing him in the atlanta hawks locker room back in the day i think the other thing he can do with this team that is so kind of uptight for lack of a better word is like he's able to talk to people with humor and I, I don't know. I, I think like he can, he can give them tough love and also lighten things up at the same time a little bit. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, I, I think that'd be a really good fit there. All right. What did you write about for the athletic this week? So I actually, uh, going back to our conversations about conditioning and its impact on the playoffs, I wrote about Miami and how they've been so good in, in second halves in the conference finals and how Boston has not been and what that means for the rest of the series. All right, and uh, my subscription podcast, Dunk on Prime, you can get that four days a week, particularly going into the offseason. Sign up uh, for that. And uh, Dunk Down, we still have that public uh, once a week. Danny and I went through the free agent guards last night. So we'll uh, be back next week. Talk to you all then. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every goal, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a game-winning goal in the final seconds of overtime or a shot on the goal in the first period. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply.